When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to talk about sharks and shirts. Some mothers are capable of what's called a parthenogenesis, which is a big fancy science word for cloning themselves. I mean, life will survive pretty much anything that humans do, uh, but life as we know it is very much at risk. I got to go with the Greenland shark here. This is a uh, Arctic species. They live under the ice. They are the longest-lived vertebrate animal in the world. They can live to be over 400 years old. They're not considered reproductively mature adults till they're in their 160s. Reported on the existence of what are called superurinators. And these are fish that pee a lot. And this spreads a lot of nutrients. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Our first guest is just fascinating. That's really the only introduction that's needed. He is a marine biologist who specializes in sharks and ocean conversation. Conservation is what I meant to say. Ocean conservation. This is Dr. David Schiffman. And when you listen to this, I hope you make it all the way through. Because we start off talking about exactly why conservation is so important, why we're not doing more of it, and what this is ultimately going to mean for us and for the ocean and for basically all life on Earth. And then the second part of the interview, we talk a lot about listeners submitted questions. And let me just say this. I had no idea fish pee could be this interesting. This is Dr. David Schiffman. Why are sharks important? Like, are they really that important to the environment or do we just kind of, are we just fascinated with them? Well, it's a little of both. They are absolutely a fascinating group of animals, but they are absolutely ecologically and economically as well as culturally important animals uh, that punch, punch above their weight. Uh, more, they're more important than you'd expect just based on how many of them they are in each of those regards. Predators are always important in terms of keeping a food chain in balance. They eat the sick and the weak and the dying, and they keep prey populations in check. And 
when we're talking about the ocean, we're talking about food chains that support uh, tens of millions of jobs and provide food for billions of humans. So that's a food chain we would very much like to be in balance. And uh, sharks help uh, help keep that the case. I, f- I feel like the conversation about conserving the ocean and protecting the ocean is starting to ramp up. Are we in a more dangerous place or are people just paying more attention to it? Uh, it gets worse and worse the longer we wait to deal with it, for sure. But uh, a lot of it is greater awareness. Uh, but a lot of these issues that we're facing have been have been issues for a really long time. Uh, a few weeks ago, I organized a Twitter chat of surrounding a documentary about an endangered porpoise called a vaquita that was on Hulu. And we set it up so anyone, no matter where they were in the world, they had play at the same time and then could chat along with some experts and other viewers. And one of the things that was a theme in this movie was this is one of the most endangered marine mammals in the world, but we know exactly what we need to do to protect it. And it's been the case for since the 1990s that that's what we need to do to protect it. And there have been some very thoughtful, brilliant people trying to get us to do that thing for almost 30 years, and it's still not done. So there's uh, definitely uh, new issues happening all the time, and things are getting worse the longer we wait to deal with them. But it's not – a lot of the threats facing the ocean are not – issues really uh, some I, I'm always surprised when people tell me oh I've never heard of that before like, I heard about that when I was a toddler uh, growing up pretty far from the ocean so it's these are issues that have been discussed for a really really long time what are some of those big issues that are facing the ocean the biggest threat facing the ocean overall is unsustainable overfishing let me tell you what that means because there's some jargon there and I know you warned me to limit the use of jargon but it's an important it's an important term uh, so fishing uh, you can if fishing can be done in such a way that it provides jobs for the fishermen and provides food for the marketplace and delicious healthy tasty seafood for us that can be gathered in ways that are not bad for the environment and that's called sustainable fishing or sustainable seafood unsustainable overfishing is seafood gathered in such a way that's bad for the environment and it can be bad either for the type of fish you're trying to catch uh, and that's overfishing that's taking more fish out of the system that can be replaced through the fish making more baby fish and there's also methods of fishing that are bad for other parts of the ocean Uh, they get through either what's called bycatch which is accidentally catching something that just happens to be near what you were trying to catch and it can even destroy the ecosystem itself. Bottom trawling, which is a big heavy net dragged across the seafloor uh, in particular, is really, really destructive to the, the ocean itself. It's been compared to uh, a, a, the equivalent way of gathering food on land would be chopping down all the trees in the forest so you can catch some rabbits. I mean, how do you even regulate that necessarily? Because it seems like, you know, the ocean is so big and... That people could just go out and do whatever they wanted and nobody would even know about it. Uh, there's, There are actually a lot of rules governing who can do what in the ocean and particularly within what's called the exclusive economic zones of particular countries and that's 200 miles out to sea. And that is where much of the world's fishing takes place within those exclusive economic zones. And within those uh, exclusive economic zones, a country's laws – uh, must be followed. 
and some countries certainly have better laws than others. Sometimes this requires having a fisheries observer on board, which is someone who is not a fisherman whose job it is to make sure the fishermen are following the rules. Sometimes this is done through what's called electronic monitoring. I uh, went, to, I did a research project with some Canadian fishermen, and they were so excited to show me their new electronic monitoring rig. And what it is is just a series of high-definition cameras that are set up so that whatever is caught, they document and they can send those pictures back to land so someone on land can confirm what was being caught. There's also a lot that's being done uh, with with satellites. So there, uh, there absolutely are rules and there absolutely are ways of enforcing them. But yeah, definitely it's trickier and a lot of this happens because it happens where people aren't aren't uh, really thinking about or looking. Are sharks uniquely susceptible to overfishing? Not uniquely, but unusually. Uh, and the reason for that is has to do with what's called their life history, uh, how they live their lives. Something like a salmon or a tuna or a bass, uh, they are, are mostly, let me back up, something like a tuna uh, reproduces by spawning. They release these big clouds of sperm if they're males or, or eggs if they're females into the water, and the sperms and eggs find each other outside of the body of the tuna and they make little baby uh, tuna, and that doesn't take a lot of energy from the parents. They can just produce enormous amounts of sperm and eggs in this way. Sharks don't do that. Sharks have internal fertilization. I always tell people if you saw if you saw a tuna or a, if you saw tuna mating, you might not recognize what you were looking at. But if you see sharks mating, you recognize what you're looking at. Uh, they have internal fertilization, and they also have. Uh, a life history that means that they have relatively few babies relatively late in life, relatively infrequently compared to other fish. And that means that they just can't replenish their populations as quickly and just can't bounce back from overfishing as quickly, uh, which does not mean that there's no such thing as a sustainable fishery for sharks. It just means that they have to be managed much more carefully. Can you explain what this thing I was reading about that Basically, shark moms give birth all at the same time to babies from different fathers? Yeah. So that's a really neat thing about uh, where baby sharks come from. It's called multiple paternity. And yeah, a shark mother during mating season may mate with multiple males, will become pregnant by all of them or several of them, and will give birth to a litter of half-siblings that have the same mom but different fathers. And this helps uh, increase genetic diversity in the population. An even crazier thing is some mothers... Uh, or this has been seen in a lot of different species, are capable of what's called parthenogenesis, which is a big fancy science word for cloning themselves. Uh, if a, a mom wishes to become pregnant and there are not uh, any suitable dads around, she'll just become pregnant. And rather than the baby being a mix of the DNA of the mom and the dad, it's just an exact copy of the mom. There are also female sharks that can mate and then say, and then say, you know what? Now is not really a great time for me to become pregnant. And they can store the sperm for up to four years until they can decide that now the conditions are right to become pregnant, and then we'll just become pregnant. What's the evolutionary pressure that would have created all of that? So a lot of these things have been seen 
seen primarily in captivity, so we don't really know what the huge advantage of them would be in the wild. Uh, but it's, this parthenogenesis has been observed with sawfish in the wild, which are shark-like rays. Uh, and they're, they're a very endangered species, so it's useful to be able to make more individuals, even if you're not uh, increasing the diversity of the population, if there aren't a lot of adults around. Uh, in terms of the, the sperm storage, it means that a mating event doesn't go to waste. How did you kind of get into this? How did this become your field of study? So I've been interested in sharks as long as my family can remember. Uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, pretty far from the ocean, but I read all the books I could get my hands on, and I used to love going to the Pittsburgh Zoo and looking at the shark tank. I later worked there in college. Uh, and I feel like most kids go through a shark thing or a dinosaur thing, and uh, I went through both of those, and I picked sharks. Uh, I've just always been fascinated by this stuff and when learning that sharks are so ecologically important and that many species are in trouble and need better science to save them. It seems like a pretty worthy way to spend my time. Like, how do you essentially study them? What's the process? How do you do that? The first step is basically fishing. Uh, you have to – I don't – this is a, a weird question I've been getting a lot lately. That a lot of people have apparently been told uh, they have certain medical conditions that prevent them from being able to scuba dive. Uh, so they think they can't be marine biologists, and that's just not true. I know very, very, very few marine biologists who scuba dive for work. Uh, most of us work on boats, and we take samples and analyze them in the lab or analyze them on the boat. And when dealing with sharks, that means we fish for the sharks, we bring the sharks to the boat, uh, take some measurements, take some samples, put a tag on the shark, uh, and release it. What is there a specific species of shark that you usually focus on, or is it kind of all across the board? It, on the, on the project, I'm involved in about a half dozen, dozen different research projects with various colleagues right now. Uh, during my master's, I focused primarily on the sandbar shark. Follow hashtag best shark on Twitter and Instagram for years of me talking about how much I love those guys. Uh, and uh, sandbar shark is actually my corporate consultancy logo now. <laughs> uh, during my PhD, I studied the whole what's called complex of sharks, which is all the species that live uh, and eat and swim in the same area and how they interact with each other ecologically. And that was species that people, a lot of species that people have heard of, like bull sharks and tiger sharks and great hammerheads, but also some that they might not know as much about, like Atlantic sharp-nosed sharks uh, or fine-toothed sharks sometimes. When we talk about conservation work, what do you what's holding us back from doing more? Like what's the reason we're not doing it? Well, we can't just say there's no fishing allowed anywhere in the world because again that that provides jobs for tens of millions of people and it provides food for billions of people. So no fishing anywhere in the world would solve a lot of the ocean conservation threats, but it would cause a lot of other problems for humans. So it's a lot of balance. Uh it's a lot of um it's a lot of time spent getting people to to negotiate and getting people to talk to each other and understanding what's needed from the science and what's needed from the economics and what the different groups of people uh, are willing to, to provide. But in general, this has just sort of been no one's priority for a long time. And it's very – it's not that it's hard to do. It's just that it's easy to not do. And when something's easy to not do for long enough, you don't – do it, and then it gets worse. A, a lot of times, uh, environmental negotiation and things like that, it, it's, a, it's a process of making it more annoying to ignore it than to work on it. 
I, I may phrase this question terribly, but I think that you'll understand what I'm, okay. what I'm, what I'm trying to ask necessarily. When we talk about protecting and conserving the oceans, do the, do we need to protect the oceans? Like, are we really saving the planet, so to speak, or are we saving our ability to live on the planet? I mean, the, life will survive pretty much anything a human do, uh, but life as we know it is very much at risk. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's our ability to live on the planet and its species and wildlife and wild places that we care about, their ability to live on the planet. There are a lot of critically endangered species that absolutely could go extinct very soon. Uh, there are, but will some, will there be no life on Earth and it'll be a barren, lifeless husk? No. Uh, so it, it's important that we protect all these places and all these wild animals, species that we care about, uh, because our survival depends on the survival of many of them. It's difficult to imagine the ability to feed 8 or 10 billion humans if there's no fish. Are you ready for the harder-slash-listener-submitted questions? Oh, I'm intrigued. Do sharks sleep? No. Uh, so many species of sharks uh, need to be swimming constantly their entire lives in order to breathe. It forces water over their gills. Uh, and that means they can't even, not only do they not sleep, they can't even really stop. Uh, there are some species of sharks that are capable of sitting on the bottom and pumping water over their own gills. Uh, something like a nurse shark can do that. There are other species that sort of rest, uh, but they don't really, they, so they're not swimming as actively, or they may be just sort of chilling out for a bit in an area where there's current, but they're, they're not really sleeping. What is the coolest species of shark? Like, who would be the oh. cool kid in shark high school? Yeah. So I love my sandbar sharks. They're, they're hashtag best shark, but they're not the coolest shark. I got to go with the Greenland shark here. This is a uh, Arctic species. They live under the ice. They are the longest-lived vertebrate animal in the world. They can live to be over 400 years old. They're not considered reproductively mature adults till they're in their 160s. Uh, so that's a long time to be going through puberty. They also eat polar bears and reindeer. So, gotta got love the Greenland sharks. Isn't what, that wild? What is? Is there a species that eats moose? Isn't there one that like gets that moose? Was the Greenland shark too. Yeah, it was. It was theoretically ch choking. You can't see because it's audio, but I'm doing sarcastic air quotes when I say choking on a moose. Uh, sharks breathe through their gills, so an obstructed throat is not going to cause them to choke. But it did have a bit of moose stuck in its mouth. That's insane uh, to me. Anybody who's ever seen a moose knows we're talking about like it's a, a big animal. That's what? Yeah, and polar bears are the largest land predator in the world, and Greenland sharks eat them. So, four hundred—that just boggles my mind to think. Wild, it's, yeah. it's, uh, there was a Greenland shark alive today that was born in the 1600s. Oh, kind of in this vein, I guess. One of the other ones is: what is the single coolest or most interesting fact about a shark that you know? I usually do that Greenland shark polar bear one, uh, but I'll give you a different one here uh, since we already covered that. Uh, I actually write a column for Scuba Diving Magazine every month, and we've done a couple uh, editions of amazing facts about sharks that you haven't seen before, and one that people seem to – that Greenland shark one is in there, but one that people seem to think is really neat is there was a lemon shark that swallowed a piece of sharp metal, not a fishing hook, but just a random bit of sharp metal. And since this was a lemon shark that was seen on uh, well-traveled reefs, scuba divers were able to document it uh, every few days for months. And over the course of several months, it pushed this piece of sharp metal just right out its side. And uh, then it 
was gone and it healed up. And a few days after that, it looked like there was no injury of any kind. There has to be something that we as a, as a human species can learn from them and adapt, right? Like, can we cure this disease or something like that? Because they just seem like indestructible in some ways. So there, there's a lot of uh, legitimate biomedical research going on about shark immune systems as well as sharks' ability to heal. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, pseudoscientific quackery that I just want to warn people about. That A question I get asked a lot is, what? how come sharks don't get cancer? Well, they absolutely do get cancer, and the people who say they don't are lying to you and trying to exploit desperate people. And they also say, sharks don't get cancer, therefore eat this shark and it will cure your cancer when modern medicine has failed. That does not work. That's the, if, if I am very bad at basketball, I would not get better at basketball if I ate LeBron James. That's not how this works. So even if sharks didn't get cancer, and they definitely super duper do, eating shark would not cure your cancer, and the people claiming otherwise are, are hucksters trying to exploit the desperate. There's, this one's pretty specific, actually. How do shipping lanes affect shark habitats, and would the recent reduction in shipping because of COVID-19 allow some populations to recover? Yeah, not, that's, I, saw that on, I saw that one on Twitter. Uh, that's not really a thing. Uh, okay. Marine mammals are affected a lot by shipping. Uh, whales, uh, right, North Atlantic right whales in particular, one of the most endangered species of, of whales, uh, are affected by shipping because they hang out off Cape Cod and the port of Boston. Uh, traffic there is a big problem for them. But uh, that's not really an issue for sharks. Why is fish pee so important? Yeah, so someone read one of my recent columns for Scuba Diving Magazine. Yeah. Uh, I am thrilled at how many uh, how many bathroom jokes my editors let me put in there. <laughs> uh, and they even let me put in if you if you like interesting science you're in for a treat in the in the subheading. Uh, but yeah, basically fish pee is nutrients. Uh, fish will go away from a reef or away from a seagrass bed to feed, and then they go back and they release nutrients that are useful for the coral or useful for the seagrass or things like that. And there are these uh, particular there's any life history trait whether we're talking about height or swimming speed, or whatever, there's variation in how in who has it. There, there are some, in, among humans, there are some really tall humans, there are some not-so-tall humans. That's also true in the ability to earn how much you pee. So this article that I was reporting on reported on the existence of what are called super urinators. And these are fish that pee a lot. And this spreads a lot of nutrients. And removing those super urinators from the habitat reduces a lot of nutrients to that habitat, more than you might expect just from the number of fish that there are. What's like one of the super urinators? Is it based it's, on just – different individuals within a species may be more or less likely to do this. And it's, it's not clear what causes this. Just some fish eat more and uh, have a higher metabolism and pee more. Is there one kind of animal that like proportionately pees more – than other kinds of animals? I was asking a lot of fish physiologists that exact question, and the answer seems to be not really. Uh, but within a species, there's individual variation in how much you pee, and there are some small snappers uh, where some, some individuals just pee a lot, and that spreads a lot of nutrients around. Do fish drink water? Do they have to drink the water? 
So they're around water a lot, whether or not they actually drink it, not certainly not in the way that we do, but they, they absorb it uh, with it when swimming around with the mouth open. And uh, that's part of how some species adapt from going to the ocean to going to um, into freshwater like a river. Uh, the solution is drinking a lot more water and peeing a lot more to adjust uh, what's called the osmotic balance. You want the your if your cells and the fluid in your cells is adapted to being in a saltwater environment, and suddenly you're in a freshwater environment. That's going to be bad news unless you adjust. Uh, it can cause, uh, depending on which way you're going, it can cause your cells to explode or it can cause your cells to shrivel. Uh, so one of the solutions is drinking a lot of fresh water and peeing a lot. It's it's all about ultimately everything comes down to waste in some way, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Coolest movie about a shark, worst movie about a shark. Oh, good question. I love the So bad shark movies is an actual genre of film. Uh, it is a, a subgenre of the creature feature of horror genre. These, these, this type of movie, is, is they're not art. They're not cinema. There was that whole debate recently with Scorsese saying yeah. that that uh, superhero movies can be entertainment, but they're not art. These movies are entertainment, but not art. Uh, and I love them. I watch them all. I actually just gave an academic lecture on the cultural legacy of Sharknado, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, so I love the Sharknado movies, though I should note in the interest of a conflict of interest declaration that Sharknado 2 is thanked in my PhD dissertation because they contributed money to my research. What is... So I love I love those movies. What is the cultural significance of Sharknado? They, I mean, it, it is the, <laughs> the peak of this bad shark movie art form. And it just so every celebrity got in on it. It was sort of the first time they, they were mentioned uh, on Sharknados were mentioned on the floors of Congress. Uh, corporations had Sharknado themed ads. This is does not happen with these Saturday night creature feature movies. <laughs> Uh, they just took totally, for whatever reason, it was just that magic formula that uh, they, it just blew up. I've, I feel like this question may annoy you, but does Megalodon <laughs> exist? Did you know what it was before I even finished it? Yes, it was either that or mermaids. So, so that, let me back up. Megalodon was—if you've ever been to an aquarium or a science museum and you've seen those giant shark jaws that you can stand in and take a picture—that's Megalodon. Uh, they definitely did exist. This is a real thing, unlike mermaids, which have never been real. Uh, Megalodon has been extinct for millions of years. There is the weirdest conspiracy theory ever that Megalodon is not extinct. It's just hiding. And scientists and the government know that and are lying to you. Uh, This is not true. If there was a 50-foot-long great white shark that bit whales in half living off the eastern seaboard, there would be evidence of this, and there is not. They are definitely extinct. Uh, But I have been, uh, during this pandemic shutdown, I've been volunteering my time speaking to schools uh, that are still meeting digitally with their students around the country, and uh, I have yet to not be asked about Megalodon because this conspiracy theory is so weirdly widespread. What's – I don't understand the point of it. Like, usually – Like, conspiracies have – like some of them, like they're obviously wrong, but there's a very clear why would the people be engaged in this conspiracy? Uh, there's not here, and it makes no sense, and I, I don't like it. This was the last one that I have. It's from my three year old son is obsessed. We watch shark awesome. videos. He wants to know if you could turn into a shark, what shark would you want to be? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I think basking sharks have a lot of fun. Uh, they, uh, that's a large filter feeding species. 
uh, like whale sharks. Uh, so that's the second largest shark. And they're called basking sharks because they just sort of hang out right at the surface. They call it basking. Uh, and they just swim around all the time with their mouth open, eating tons and tons of little tiny shrimp. They don't have to exert a lot of energy hunting like things that chase large mobile prey do. Uh, and they also are capable of doing those amazing jumps out of the water that you sometimes see great whites do. So I feel like basking shark would be a pretty good life. Are sharks smart? So it depends on how you define smart. Uh, there's that old cliche that if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you'll think it's stupid. But uh, the sharks are a lot smarter than people think. They have larger brains relative to their body mass than you would think they would have. They are capable of somewhat complex problem solving and social hierarchy uh, and social interactions and social learning which means observing another member of their species doing something and then being able to do it, uh, that you would not think that a fish would be able to do. So they're, they're unlikely to compose a symphony anytime soon, but they're a lot smarter than people think. And just their regular behaviors, they perceive the world in ways we can't even imagine. They can, uh, some can see into the ultraviolet range of light, which means they can see colors we can't see. Uh, they have this whole extra sense that humans don't have, the ability to sense electromagnetic fields. So they can, if a prey animal is hiding under the sand where you can't see it or hear it or smell it, they still know it's there because they can sense the electricity from its beating heart. And we call that instinct or call that intelligence, I don't know. It depends on how you define those things. But uh, it, they can interact with the world and perceive the world in ways we can't. Do you have time for uh, one more? Sure. So we just got this one in on on Instagram. Oh, fun! <laughs> it's always our audience is a little is a little unique. The question is just is: uh -oh. Do rays get enough credit? Oh, that's a good question. No, rays are super cool too, um, and they're they're related to sharks. The sharks, the skates, the rays, and the chimeras are the cartilaginous fish. So they're they are sharks are fish. Uh, people ask me, are they fish, are they mammals, are they their own thing? They are fish, but they're a different group of fish. Uh, and the main difference is they have the, a skeleton made of cartilage, what our ears and nose are made out of, rather than bone. And rays absolutely don't get enough credit. There's a lot of super cool rays. Um, rays also face many of the same conservation issues that sharks do. And you don't see a lot of Save the Rays campaigns the way you see Save the Sharks campaigns. Uh, there, are, there have been people, there have been conservationists who jokingly have tried to brand, brand rays as flat sharks to try to improve, improve their uh, conservation marketing. Uh, but I, there, there was, for your, it seems like your viewers spend a lot of time on the internet, so you may have seen the rebranding a few years ago calling them sea flap flaps. <laughs> uh, so that, that was recently updated again, and it's important to get this message out as much as possible. They are no longer sea, rays are no longer sea flap flaps. They are now charismatic pancakes of wonder. Who, who came up with sea flap flaps? Who's the person uh, who the, did the that? The British humor site Dave. <laughs> came up with that one, but Charismatic Pancakes of Wonder was my former postdoc advisor, uh, Nick Dolby. <laughs> well, for some reason, I feel like I saw something that like manta rays, the really big ones. Those are, are the majestic sea flat flaps. <laughs> They're supposed to be really nice? Uh, so they are filter feeders, uh, like like the basking sharks and the whale sharks, and they do. They, they're very, very smart. They have actually the largest brain uh, of any fish. 
uh, either largest brain or largest brain to body mass ratio. I don't remember, but they are capable of recognizing themselves in the mirror, which is crazy for a fish. Uh, and they are, they recognize individual humans. They're capable of some problem solving stuff in captivity. And, uh, I did a night dive uh, in Hawaii with manta rays and it was a, definitely a bucket list item. It was amazing. What would you say for you is the coolest experience you've had with one? Oh, that, man, that night dive with manta rays was definitely up there. Uh, but I got to, uh, I attended a conference in South Africa a few years ago, a shark conference, and I went a few days early and stayed a few days late and bummed around South Africa a little. And I got to do that uh, cage dive with the great whites, and Ooh. oh my god, it was amazing. It was. I've wanted to do it since I was like three, and it's very few things live up to a lifetime of hype, and that definitely did. Are they? They're just even. Are they bigger than what people would think? Faster, stronger? You can't even, like- you can't even perceive how big a fifteen-foot-long fish is. Like you can sort of like intellectually visualize it, but like it's the size of a van, and <laughs> it's just right there in the water in front of you. I I grew up in Kansas, but I live in Seattle now, so I've been lucky. <laughs> And I've seen a couple whales, and every time I've been like, holy shit. It's, it's just another, like, scale of life. And we must be, we must look like insects to them. Do they even think of us in any way? Like, do they, I mean, obviously we can't read their minds, but, like, do they acknowledge that humans are even, what do they, they seem to they do? They seem to acknowledge uh, boats. Uh, and there's some, there's some videos of people in the wild uh, that a whale comes up to them and is sort of curious about them. But what exactly do they think? I don't know. But they seem to recognize we're there. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Sharks start, sharks sometimes you can tell they're sort of checking you out and figuring out what you are, and that is unnerving because they are not afraid. They're just genuinely curious. Like, oh, what is this? Is this lunch? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know, I I always hear people say like, "Oh, they're not trying to eat us," but why wouldn't they eat us? We because of our bone density is too high. We're not like the 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 fattest human in the world. The human in the world with the most meat on it still has way less meat compared to bone, which is harder to digest than a seal or a tuna. Oh. So we're just yeah, we're just not on the menu. I want to thank Dr. Schiffman so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have his information on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. Hello? Do you recycle? I do recycle, and it's killing me. Uh, well, actually, never mind. That's... I was just gonna go off into a tangent, but I don't. I don't want to start off our time on a tangent. There. What, why? Why not? What tangent are you gonna go into about recycling? So, with the way the world is now. Oh, the way the uh, world is. It's the whole world's fault that you don't want to put something in a different bin. No, I, no. Technically, this this is recycling, but it's not at home recycling because where I live in Michigan, you can't take bottles or bags or glass bottles, things like that. So literally, people that I know, houses around me, have just bags of pop bottles. It is Michigan. We drink a lot of pop, as you as you probably know. And anyone who lives not in Michigan knows. Uh, no one uh, knows that. That No one knows that is a fact. I don't feel like that's true whatsoever. Oh, Michigan. <laughs> well, Man, they drink a lot of pop in Michigan. If you knew nothing of the United States other than, you know, just the basics, and somebody was to ask you, what is the... 
like the, either the worst city in America or the most unhealthiest state. And I guarantee you Detroit or Michigan will show up in at least 33% of the answers. Um, I believe that Mississippi is generally considered to be like the most unhealthy state. Well, that makes sense. You know, we could probably really cut off America after Michigan and it wouldn't matter. So, Like we're not going to get into that. Where people who are from Detroit just have a stubborn love of Detroit only because other people make fun of it. And if people stopped making fun of Detroit, they would realize like, oh, wow, we really got to do something here. Also, I'm looking up the states that drink the most amount of pop and Michigan is nowhere near the list. So don't come out from the very beginning and start saying things. Everybody knows Michigan drinks a lot of soda when it's absolutely not true. Can I tell you a fact that I did learn? Sure. That you can disin uh, or inject yourself with disinfectant and it gets rid of the COVID. I want to see the person that was just watching that got up and just walked over and said, you know what? Got to do it. Didn't want to put this bleach in my eye, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because I got the COVID. And I guarantee who, I guarantee whoever did that refers to it as the COVID. You know, more importantly, why haven't you apologized to the people yet? What what am I in need of apologizing for? For the fact that you said my heart is full. My my, I'm not going to apologize for that. You should. Because I'm in touch with my inner self. Your heart's really full. Like you you measured it and like oh you know what it's actually full or you just said that because other people say it and you didn't know what to say not realizing that no man has ever said that. First off, what, what Nick is referring to, uh, uh, my wife posted a picture on Facebook of my my uh, 18 month old trying to hold my newborn baby's hand and I reshared the photo on Facebook and and that's what I put obviously my heart is full I don't see anything wrong with it you're literally the only person in my entire life that has come out and said something to me about it everybody is thinking it I'm the only person honest enough and a good enough friend with you to call you on it well, I don't know if you're uh, if I consider you a good friend, but I do appreciate your honesty. I always have. I'm looking at the top 10 states where people drink the most soda and Michigan is nowhere up there. So you should apologize for that incorrect fact as well. Why well, I, I don't understand why you're such a fact checker today. Because I like accuracy. Well, you should know I'm so, not like our guests. I have nothing of factual accuracy to bring to anything. Or good stories or fun times. Are you ready? Do you have your segment now that you're done with your political ramblings? <laughs> yeah, let's let's get some <laughs> let's get some shout outs to everyone that I just offended. Okay. Um, so check us out. Uh, and by the way, if you haven't checked out uh, at least our Twitter lately, you should give it a look. Nick did uh, some good work on uh, some graphics. Yeah. Almost like he knows what he's doing. Um, I was able to enlarge a picture of John's penis. So if you want to look at that, uh, <laughs> took a big, took a lot of zooming in, took a lot of zooming in. All right. Well, anyways, uh, so yeah, check us out, uh, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, where we're at all social media. Uh, we'll start with, uh, Patricia, Sherry, Delano, Adam, uh, Cherry, Cameron, Katie, Amanda, Jariah, Marcus, Matt, Maria, the third wheel. I'm used to being that myself. Uh, Peter and John. Thanks for uh, checking us out uh, the last week and everyone who, you know, 
silently checks us out and listens and clicks. We we appreciate all that. So, anyways, Nick, I have a uh, a, a little switch up for you today. Okay, I'm, I'm switching up uh, my my second segment here, and we're we're gonna do something a little different. It's gonna called Who'd You Rather? Would you was it, does it involve getting to the point at all? I just said it. Who'd you rather? Who would you? Okay, let's let's hear it. Who would you rather have a beer with? Barack Obama or George Bush? I mean, honestly, probably. I don't, dude. Why? What's with all the politics? I th- this isn't. I don't care that they were presidents. I just they're two interesting dudes. Um. This is not a politic related question, dude. You can't ask a question about the who's with the president and then say it's not a politic question. Uh, fine. Uh, Matthew McConaughey or Brad Pitt? Oh, Matthew McConaughey. I bet Brad Brad Pitt might be secretly kind of a douche. I could see it. Matthew McConaughey because you could like just li- he seems cooler, and you might also wonder like what the hell are you talking about, man? Who would you rather spend an hour on on next like on the treadmill with? So they're next to you on a treadmill. My father or your father? Oh, my father. My dad. I mean, first of all, <laughs> your dad's gonna make it about ten seconds in before he has a heart attack, and then I'm gonna have to at least pretend to have some medical or caring about him. Well, that's nice of you to say. Well, how long do you think your dad would legitimately last if he got on a treadmill six miles an hour? Oh, six miles an hour. I mean, he does walk, but it's not, I'm sure, at six miles an hour. I would give him, like, are we talking about, like, he's stressing or just, like, he goes to get on, sees at six miles an hour, just, like, gets the fuck off? No, he's got he's got to really try to do it. Like, his life is on the line. He's got to try to run at six miles an hour. How long are you going to give him to go? Oh, I'm going to say less than a minute. I'm going to say between, honestly, I'm going to say between 30 seconds and a minute. Yeah, I would go 30 to 45 seconds. That's about it. And I'm it. guaranteeing you he's falling. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's either going to trip over himself or have a heart attack. It's not a question <laughs> of how long. It's a question of is it going to be a heart attack or is he going to trip because his legs collapse. <laughs> uh, that, that was actually – you answered that a lot easier than I thought you would. You know, Because I'm not entirely sure I would pick my dad. I feel like I'd pick your dad because at least he'd have some fun shit to tell me. Like some good stories about you I've never heard before. The last one is you have to you have to choose between these two people to take for an all you can eat buffet at McDonald's. Rosie O'Donnell or Mama June? Oh God. Probably Mama <laughs> June, just cause oh like Rosie O'Donnell's just gonna have too much shit to say about stuff. Like I don't wanna hear all your opinions about crap I don't care about. Kind of like you going on at the beginning of this, just like going on about stuff. Like I don't well, want to hear about recycling. I was just, you know, I, I mean, didn't realize it was going to turn into a whole thing about the I've government. Gotten, I've gotten twelve hours of sleep this week. All right, you're the only person in the outside world I talk to. Give me a break. First of all, it's only Monday. It's the first day of the week, so twelve hours of sleep today is pretty damn good. Oh yeah, well, that, well, <laughs> last week then. That's not even possible. No, you, it's not look, possible. It's look, do you even fa- do you even like give yourself an honest accounting of something, or do you just pick a number? Like, you know what? I know I've had this, but I'm just going to say 12 hours because it's going to sound better. 
You know, the real question you need I need to be asking you is why why are you such in a bad mood, little Nikki? Hmm? I'm not in you a bad today? mood. I'm just asking you for some facts and you're trying to get defensive and deflective about it you're instead of answering the question. To put sugar in his cereal, I bet too. No, I don't, but I do put a coffee creamer in there now. It's a legitimate problem. I probably need should stop. <laughs> yeah, you're gaining so much weight. You 145 pound. What's the problem with putting sugar in cereal? What does that have to do with anything? That's, that's a whole – you don't want me to get into a whole other rant. Okay? What's the let's whole just, thing? What's the problem with putting sugar in cereal? I just I just don't – I don't enjoy it. And when we were in the hospital, when my wife was giving birth, I wasn't – I think I touched on this last week. I wasn't – like they weren't giving meals to the plus ones. So I, I had like a little cup of cereal, like some warm milk, and I decided to pour sugar on it. And I decided I'm never going to have sugar in my cereal ever again. Wow. So you're going to judge everybody based on one occurrence that you had because you didn't think See, ahead and bring snacks. It's my opinion. All right. Listen, you What's wrong? Bitch, all right. <laughs> I'm going to inject myself with some raid and get rid of those spiders in my house. God, that would actually, what if you could do that though and inject yourself with raid and then just like breathe on spiders and kill them? <laughs> I mean, that, uh, would be kind of condoning that by, by any means. <laughs> But would you do it? Like if you found out that you could inject yourself with Raid and then like just spray, breathe on spiders and kill them, would you do it? You wouldn't have to touch the spider. You wouldn't have to go to get anything. You just have to breathe in their general direction. It would be more efficient, honestly. It would be much more efficient. I don't know how you kill spiders, but I'm not very efficient. No, I could see you breaking a good amount of stuff. Do you scream when you do it? No. No, I don't, I don't scream. But I'm... I be I'm patient and then I get nervous. It's kind of like parking for me. I'm patient, I get nervous, and then I usually fuck it up. So okay, if you're gonna kill the spider, you're gonna swing whatever you're using to kill the spider. You're gonna go a hundred percent, seventy five percent strength, fifty twenty five. Like how much effort are you gonna put in to squish this small organism? A hundred percent. I mean, I, I like to like hear it pop or you know like something like that in my fingers well that's why you're not good at it because you're winding up too much you got to go with a quick motion man like i'm going 25 percent, but it's like it's like it's like a snap movement i'm not rearing back my whole arm <laughs> like i said it's like you know i get all geared up and then i just you know you're right maybe, maybe i think about it too much i'm a thinker all right are you ready for our top five <laughs> let's uh let's do it okay so let's hear you describe what you think the top five is i don't like when you do this because i thought we had decided on one and then you're gonna turn around on me like i'm not paying attention or listening to you i just want to make sure that we're both clear of the understanding what do you think the top five is exactly the top five kinds of t-shirts okay that is exactly correct and the reason that we're doing top five kinds of t-shirts is because we have uh, T-shirts that got made, and if you want to check them out, they're profoundlypointless.com. They're up there in the merchandise section, and they actually – look, even if you think the shirt is stupid, it's a quality shirt. Like you could turn it inside out pretty well, and you'd be like, wow, this is a nice shirt, and we're not making anything off of them. We're just selling them for basically cost and shipping. So if you want one, uh, get it. Uh, John already – booked up all the XXXXLs. So you know, <laughs> you know, my Facebook family that, you know, that that did it, I think. 
<laughs> no, but but seriously, the the one thing is, if you do buy one, you have to wear it to bed, you know, and then you have to wake up. You just have to keep it on all night because my face is on the front of it, and it's a great picture. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't even know how to feel about that. Did you think yeah, about that just now, or did you did you plan that out? Um, I mean, it's been brewing, but it just kind of came out naturally. That's me. I just. I just okay. come right out and do things. I yeah. don't think too much. No, no. Can, I can tell. Uh, what's your number five? Uh, I went with a sweatshirt. Okay. See, now, I, I don't... Do you have hoodie on the list? Uh, I do not. See, I don't understand that then. Like, I agree with a sweatshirt, but a sweatshirt is not nearly... Like, a hoodie is the better form of the sweatshirt, right? You know, I'm... I'm of course right. I'm different. I like a sweatshirt over a hoodie. That's kind of ridiculous, honestly. Why wouldn't you want the hoodie? What's the problem <laughs> with the? What problem do you have with the hood? I I just don't. You know, I I think the only time I ever consistently wore a hoodie, like I I have a hooded jacket, but it's not a like a a sweat jacket. Okay, but I don't even really use the hood on that. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of hoodies. You don't want to mess up your hair? Does that have something to do <laughs> I have with these it? big, beautiful ears. I don't want them to be covered. Okay. All right. That, that, that's good. My, my number five is the hoodie. I think that. Okay. So we were thinking kind of along the same lines a yeah, little bit. The hoodie is a better than a sweatshirt. What's your number four? I have a polo. How much are you going to um, legitimately, like, what's your cap on any kind of shirt? Nowadays, like, <laughs> Eight bucks, ten bucks, maybe <laughs> ten dollars. I'm not paying over ten dollars for this shirt. You can go fuck I mean, yourself, I'm, sir. I'm a 100 percent bogo shopper, so like I'll buy one maybe at like eighteen bucks, but I better be getting the next one for free. Did you just say bogo? <laughs> I did. Yes, bogo. Is your heart full after a nice day of bogo shopping? I don't understand why you make fun of me for these things. Everybody. I've never heard an, I've never heard another man say that. I've never heard a man say, I'm going to go BOGO shopping so that my heart no, is I, full today. I feel like you need to get out then. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's not my fault. I guess I got to hang out with more dudes. Got to <laughs> survey the population, I guess. <laughs> Nothing okay. wrong with that. Lots of love to go around here. I don't know how to describe these necessarily, but I'm a big fan of my number four. They're like, they're not fancy shirts. They're like a short sleeve dress shirt, but they don't look like a short sleeve dress shirt. They're kind of like a Hawaiian shirt, but they're more like a Hawaiian shirt, I guess, but not Hawaiian themed. I like those shirts. That's my number four. <laughs> I still don't know what you're trying to describe, but we'll just move on. It's like um, a Vans shirt. Like one of those kind of shirts. I don't know what the fuck they're called. It's it looks like it, it's like a cross between a dress shirt and a short sleeve shirt. So my number three, I also don't know the name for it, uh, but it's it's a t shirt, but it has it, it's all it has like three or four buttons at the top. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Those like things that look like from a Russian prison, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, sure. Yes, like Hanes makes them all the their their t shirts. They just have like they've got the three buttons on them. Yeah, I fucking hate those. 
I, I hate those I, with a passion. Why? Because it, it's it's like it's a confused shirt because it doesn't know if it wants to be a button down or a t-shirt. Yeah, it's more like I've had bad experiences with people who wear them. I I, I don't I I don't wear them out necessarily in public. I, I have a bunch that I just wear around the house. Oh, do so you have a bunch of those? I do. I probably have you know I, I have a good amount. I mean, I think I I've probably two or three packages worth. What? Two or three they packages come, worth. They, that's like yeah, 10 come, shirts. Yeah, I have like black, white, and, and like a light blue. How many shirts do you have at your house? <sighs> I mean, I, I have a good, I have a good amount. Are you, are you gonna tell me you got over 50 shirts? Yeah. Close to 100? Um, I mean, I could actually count. I'm, I'm sure I know I'm between 50 and 100. Why do you have that many shirts? Uh, well, let's, you tell me your number three and then I'll tell you my, my, the, my reasoning why I have so many uh, of a certain kind of shirt. Tank top. Your number three is a tank top? Yeah. Oh, I see. I, you talk about com- uh, immediately judging an individual. I, that's me when I see someone in a tank top. Well, I mean, I lived in Florida and Arizona. So it's a little bit different. Like if you have a tank top on in Michigan, that's, that's, that's not acceptable. But if you have a Here's tank top thought. on in, in, in Arizona, like, yeah, dude, it's fucking 120 degrees. I'm okay with a tank top, I guess, if, if under two stipulations. One, the back of your hair does not touch the t-shirt. Okay, good, 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 good stipulation. And two, the shirt covers your belly. Yeah, dude, I don't think a lot of people are purposely wearing midriffs. Did you figure out what your reason is you have 100 shirts at your house? Yes, but... It's my number one. So my number two is a long sleeve shirt. Okay. My number two is a short sleeve shirt. Just a regular <laughs> old t-shirt. I don't, okay. I, I, I'll just say my number one now. My number one is the long sleeve. I think that the long sleeve is the best kind of shirt. It's the most comfortable. It's all purpose. I think it's a superior shirt. Okay. Uh, my number one is a, a short sleeve shirt, but specifically – like the Under Armour material, uh, it's like the workout material, dude. You're, is it tight? Because you're not the kind of guy. Look, I don't want to really see you in these kind of shirts, to be honest with you. Because there's going to well, be they're, they're, they're great though. Because you wear them at home. I wear them under my, you know, dress shirts. The you know, you're wearing like, an Under Armour T-shirt, a tight well, Under Armour workout shirt under a dress shirt. Well, that, that that's the thing. It's it's not like it's not like an Under Armour shirt. It's a T-shirt, but it's of that fabric. Like it's 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 snug fitting, but it's not an Under Armour shirt. If that makes any sense. Okay. As soon as you put it on, can you see your nipples? Uh yes. Okay. <laughs> so you're just walking. What kind of question is that? I just want to know how tight you're wearing them. I mean, they're. That's the they're, problem. They're, like I said, they're snug fitting. But the reason why I probably have close to 100 t-shirts is I probably have 20 to 30 of these shirts in like six different colors. What colors do you have? Black, blue, white, gray, like a tan. And then I also have like a like a like a light red as well. Okay, the tan is a little bit questionable. 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with those kind of shirts, but all you really can wear is black, gray, and blue. I don't even really feel like that. that's okay about white. It's a little bit too street through, and I bet it's a little bit tight. Uh, well, like I said, they're all they're all snug, but that's the way that I like them. Like a snug. I'm a man who likes a snug T-shirt. Okay. <laughs> they were bogo. Okay, leave me alone. Well, no wonder you can't buy nicer shirts. You got a hundred fucking T-shirts there. But t- to be honest, and to, to be fair, when it, when I say I have a hundred T-shirts, not that I have a hundred shirts at like fifty bucks a shirt. I probably have 50 shirts that cumulatively probably cost $150 combined. Okay. That makes sense. You got to kind of turn those out a little bit. Do you have anything in your honorable mention? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I, just, I put down V-necks, but like, I don't, I don't really wear V-necks, but you know, back, back in the day, I might've, um, I definitely don't have tank top on there. I have Aloha shirts, yeah. like Hawaiian shirts. It's kind of comfortable. You got to be a fat guy though to wear a Hawaiian shirt. You, <laughs> you, you cannot be a skinny guy in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> and then I, I also put down a uh, a tuxedo t shirt. Oh God! But I don't. I don't have one. I've never worn one. But okay. I, I feel like if I ever was presented the opportunity, uh, I would. And I almost, I almost put on the list like logo shirts. Like logo tees, you know, like sports tees or like Dale Earnhardt Senior tees, but I didn't do that. Giant face shirt, the giant face <laughs> shirt. Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. Like we mentioned before, we now have some T-shirts that are available. Even if you don't like the design, they're legitimately nice T-shirts. Like we went for quality on this. Uh, they're available on profoundlypointless.com. Check them out. We're not making any money off of them or anything like that. We're honestly just cost of the shirt and shipping. That's it. I think it's like $22, but we'll probably make it some stupid price because we think it's funny, but we're really kind of just, just a-holes about it. Like twenty two thirty nine. Yeah, twenty two thirty nine. Let's go with that. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.